Hey there, ladies and gentlemen. Are you a fan of making lemonade? Qui-Gon's happy hour? Or just my work in general? Well, due to the current world crisis, health crisis we are at, we here at the Lemonade Podcast Network have hit a wall as far as our sponsors and regular revenue streams go. And we thought it's time to push our Patreon. If you go to Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the lemonade network and become a patron you will get access to not only a patron exclusive podcast feed with all our star wars after shows movie commentaries and the whole first season of my podcast baking oranges where i talk with my friend and yours steve about pop culture and the world around us but you will also get 15 percent off all products in my online store Um, year-round and access to a patron-only Discord community where you can talk about the latest episodes, pop culture, and much more with our Lemonade Network community. Now, for those of you out there who are also in financial hardship right now, this is not for you. I want you all to know that we we will still have free podcasting content year-round. Every single week, we're going to have new episodes of Making Lemonade and Qui-Gon's Happy Hour every other week as well, so don't fret. However, if you are not in financial hardship and you could spare some <laughs> some cash um, and would like to help out and are, are a fan of everything we do here at the Lemonade Network, please head over to patreon.com forward slash the Lemonade Network and become a Patreon a patron today. Stay weird. Put your speeders in park, pour yourself a blue mojito, because it's time, and, sorry, kick your feet up, because it's time for Qui-Gon's Happy Hour, ladies and gentlemen. What is going on? Welcome to Qui-Gon's Happy Hour. This is the Mandalorian Watch Along Part 7. We only have two more episodes left, ladies and gentlemen. This would have been the last episode, but we did have a, a couple setbacks. We would have been on the last episode by now, but that's okay. We have... Two more episodes left. We have episode number seven, The Reckoning, and then episode number eight, The Redemption. And then we're going to happily move on to uh, Mandalorian Season 2. You will be ready, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be ready. That was the idea of this watch-along the whole time. That was the point. (laughs) Um, So let's just get straight into it. Uh, I have more podcasts to record after this, but I'm here with you. First and foremost, I'm here with you. Um, let's get straight into this episode. So everybody who's watching at home, all my audio amigos, everybody on live right now, um, we are going to be starting episode 7 or chapter 7, The Reckoning, um, in exactly 5 seconds, 5. So get it ready, 4, 3, 2, one, let's go. There's that Disney Plus symbol. So, 
as per usual, we have the um, the intro here, the previously on The Mandalorian. So we're um, resetting where we're at. My screen is very green for some reason. So I'm going to play around with that. Oh, it was a it was a cable thing. It's an issue with the cables, so that's all right. Got that sorted. Bring up some. I got two screens here anyway, so that's all good. Hello, everybody on TikTok. Um, so as per usual, we got some trivia here. So I'm going to start with some trivia while we're going through the uh, the recap. Uh, Cara Dune. Full name is Cara Cynthia Dune. I've heard her called Cara Cynthia. Um, like a, it's one word, Cara Cynthia. Last name Dune. So, her home planet is Alderaan. Oh, there's a connection there. Who else was from Alderaan, ladies and gentlemen? Alderaan places. <laughs> the same planet the Princess Leia Organa called home, and the same planet the Death Star blew up in a Star Wars. That the Death Star blew up in Star Wars: A New Hope. This background explains why Dune was so eager to help the Mandalorian the instant she found out about. Navarro was lousy with Imperials. She doesn't just have a rebel soldier's hatred of Imperials. She has an Alderaan rebel soldier's hatred of Imperials. Or as they call them, imps. Yes, they call them imps. They call them that in um, the new Squadrons trailer as well. So that's starting to become some post-Dinny merger uh, lingo. Here we go. Here's Carl Weathers back again. I love how camp... Carl Weathers is, that means you are alive. If you're receiving this transmission, that means Mando. <laughs> I just love Carl Weathers. He's, uh, they have imposed a spotting rule over my city. So now we have a mutual. And an We have a mutual um Oh, there on uh, with Carl Weathers and the Mando, and that is why we are progressively moving towards working together with the Mando. Okay, here's some more trivia. The Mandalorian armor, Emily S- Armorer, also known as Emily Swallow, the woman who's in there, mentions an ancient band of wizards known as the Jedi. As she tells Jaren, not Dejaren, Jaren, the D is silent. Mandalorians once waged war against the Jedi. This is true. This is canon. This war, which occurred thousands of years ago, has been referenced a few times in the Star Wars, the Clone Wars, and Star Wars Rebels. It's been said that it was this clash with the Force using Jedi that caused the warriors of Mandalore to develop the armor and weapons that they continue to upgrade and use today. So the Mandalorians are a very pivotal uh, species and race and creed and, and, and people in um, the Star Wars universe, as oh, I'm just going to do my beard while we do this, um, as they are progressively, um, they, they have been at war with the Jedi. So if you think about the groups of people that are important in Star Wars, it's obviously the Jedi to begin with. Um, that's what the saga is really about. That's the Luke, uh, sorry, the George Lucas kind of thread that runs through Star Wars is the Jedi. But the thread that kind of runs through everything that Filoni does Dave Filoni and um, the extended television universe, let's call it, because it's it's Rebels, it's Man- Mandalorian, it's 
um, Clone Wars is the Mandalorians. The Mandalorians are a very important part of the Star Wars canon and mythos. They're a very important part to the history of the galaxy. And here we have a Dathomorian, um, just a, a white Dathomorian. They, I, I think they call them. He is a light Dathomorian. He is the same species as Darth Maul. Um, obviously not force sensitive, this one. He could be, you never know. Um, on my screen, he looks a little bit red, but his skin tone, their skin tone is that of a human. Um, and they, they have a species war. No, I don't think that they have lots of racism going. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I don't know. I don't actually know. I wondered this when I was first watching this. Do the white and the red Dathomorians have, you know, racism and stereotypes and so on? Here we go. Cara Cynthia, kicking butt, taking names. Pow, pow, pow. Quite a violent moment here, but yes, it was cut off. That's a really cool little like laser thing there, how they're attached at the waist by the laser and they can't go further away from each other. And it really lends one to have a, a sparring match for money in, um, in a bar. But here's the Mando. Here's the little baby. That's the CG little baby. Just the baby. Um, he's sleeping right now. He will join us next week for the last episode. Um, this is where the Mando is setting up his Magnificent Seven moment to help save... And Nuevo? 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 Come back soon. She's really uh, appreciating the... The money she's making kicking the butt of um, horny, deviled dudes. Dathmore looking dudes. So, Savage Press is a yellow Dathmoreans. So, I think there's yellow, skin toned, and red Dathmoreans. So, there's a few different skin colors of the Dathmoreans. Um, and I don't know if this is still canon, so don't quote me on this, but I believe that um, Dathmore. At least in the extended universe, his mother was Mother Towson. And she gave over her own child to Imperatapapapatidin. And I don't get why. I don't, I just, I don't know why. Um, it wasn't really confirmed in the canon of Clone Wars or the current canon. And now let's not argue canon because canon is canon and that's how it works. Just like the canon of the Marvel Universe is the canon of the Marvel Universe and everyone seems to be okay with the canon of the Marvel Cinematic Universe um, as compared to the Marvel Comics Universe and the Extended Universe, um, but we're not okay with the Star Wars Universe and it all has to be connected and one and part of itself. It's just, <laughs> the canon's the canon, guys. Anything created after the Disney um, takeover, as people call it, is canon. Anything before that is not. Anything that wasn't movies or television is not. George Lucas always said that the canon is merely the television and um, the television and the movies. And that's fine. You can have your own head canon, but don't argue that it is true canon um, when it is, in fact, head canon. Anyway, so regardless of that, uh, we can't let, we've just learned we can't let the baby Yoda drive the ship. 
because he had a lot of fun driving it, that he drives it the same way that my daughter drives the arcade games at Time Zone. <laughs> Very dramatically. Very spookookily lily. All over the plats. <laughs> um, so let's do some more trivia here. The two stormtroopers uh, comically falling at ta- failing at target practice is an in-joke aimed at the notoriously bad marksmanship displayed by stormtroopers throughout the original Star Wars trilogy. Well, we all know this. They also made a joke about that at Bill Burr's, at the expense of Bill Burr's character in the last episode. Um, This originally started as a running joke among fans of the film series, but was eventually acknowledged in-universe in The Mandalorian Chapter 6, Prisoner 2019. So, they've acknowledged two episodes in a row here. Uh, Kara says that because of her rebel history, the Emperor... Oh, there's Quill. Sorry, I just realized we've we've come into the hut, into Quill's hut. And Kara Dune is a little rebel symbol as a beauty mark. See, i got a beauty mark here for those of you watching on video. Got a little... See, YouTube over here. Got a little beauty mark right here. Um, but it's not a tattoo. Hers is a little rebel symbol. I think that'd be cool. i got the rebel symbol on my ankle, but... That kind of would be cool. If I were ever to get a face tattoo, that'd be a cool tattoo. Just a tiny, tiny, tiny little rebel symbol. Tiny little one, like right here. Oh, IG-11. He back. He back, he back. So, Kara says that because of her rebel history, the Empire might subject her to interrogation by a mind flayer. It's possible that it's a slang for something like boar gullet. I remember boar gullet from Rogue One. So, that might actually be what a mind flayer is. The Mind Flayer was also in um, Stranger Things, so it could be a reference to Stranger Things as well. I don't think it is, but it's it's it's, it's a similar term. It's a D and D term, actually, I believe. Mind Flayer. I don't know. I'm not a D and D guy, so someone in the comments can tell me. Uh, the alien Borgullet was used to interrogate Bodhi Rook in Rogue One. There you go. This creature can reveal whether someone is telling the truth while risking the victim's sanity in the process. That's a dangerous boy. <laughs> um, but yeah, so here we are. So I remember Deborah Cho talking, and it might come up in this trivia thing. I remember Deborah Cho talking about this kind of thing in the gallery because it was difficult to... She said what was really difficult was it was too non-human um, actors. So we had an IG-11... CG character. And we had Queel, who was a... Oh, just squished a lizard. A lizard boy. <laughs> we had Queel, who... um, Who is a puppet, or a, a, a small person with a puppet's head. Hmm, that's right. So, um, she was saying that it was quite difficult to get some emotion in life, but I'll tell you what, she really, in this montage, really um, created some emotion and really has created a great montage here of like, um, just slowly, so she set up a few elements here with the, with the cup and breaking the cup and putting the food for the Borg um, and the Blurg and the um, the container down and slowly getting there and then he comes back around to um, to getting it right slowly he's not perfect at it and then we, we finally cut to um, IG-11 pouring tea for everyone in the hut 
Mando still doesn't trust him because he is a hunter droid. He's a bounty hunter droid after all. And I don't really blame him. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, he's, um, he's, he's hunter droid, you know? Like, he's a bounty hunter droid. So why would you trust him? What good reason would you have to trust a bounty hunter droid? Oh, anyway. Um, my name is Quill. See, this is the first time that the Mando actually learnt his name. He called him Ugnaught. How would that droid anywhere near him? Here we go. We're going to... See, there's a lot of emotion going on for, with characters who are wearing helmets and puppets. And, and I think subconsciously that's why, why so many fans love this show so much. It's just... This scene here between the Mando and Quill is just beautiful. Can you hear my... It's uh, Qui-Gon's happy hour ASMR. It's my beard comb. <laughs> um, guys, let me know. I'm going to do some unboxing soon, but we'll talk about that later. We're going to keep going with the Mandalorian here. Quill, K-U-I-L. Oh, see, I've got the subtitles on. And you learn a little bit more when you have the subtitles on, I think. Um, especially like how to spell people's names and stuff like that. It's really interesting, but here's the Razor Crest again. You know I love the Razor Crest. I cannot wait. I think I saw a company who were, um, I think it was uh, Yak Face, who was partnering with someone to make a um, unofficial Razor Crest ship because why don't we have a Razor Crest ship by now? Why? Why is there not a Razor Crest ship on the market yet? Come on, Hasbro. You make so much money from it. Like make a six-inch scale one. We've got the Baby Yoda. We've got the we've got the Cara Dune. We've got the Mandalorian. Ooh, ooh, this is dark. Ooh, here we go. This is very dangerous. The baby thinks that he is that the Mando is um in distress here. It's kind of like a dog jumping in the water after when you jump in the pool. Um, it almost killed me. She's really distressed, and understandably because she's got choked in midair. And he doesn't, he, Quill kind of brings a bit of light to this group. He knows a little because he worked for the, for the Empire. He knows what injured servitude. Hmm. He knows a little bit more about the Empire because he'd been there. I think, here we go, three of your human lifetimes. So, arguably for probably 250-ish, if not more, years he was in servitude of the empire but that's not it's not quite right because the empire was really only in power for arguably about i think 20 years maybe 30 well no so luke was born at the at the at the precipice of the empire he was 19 when he destroyed the death star and I think about four years, three or four years passed before he destroyed that. They destroyed the second Death Star, and then inevitably the Empire. So really, it was yeah, it was about twenty, somewhere between twenty and twenty-five years, the Empire was was around. But that means Quill has been in servitude of someone else because this is five years after the Empire fell, after Return of the Jedi, which is when the Empire fell. That's at least what the uh, press kit said. 
when um, when the show was first airing. Um, but this is just reminding me, this show, watching this last few episodes, is reminding me of how important television has become, first of all, and how important this show was to me personally when it first came out. I mean, Saturday morning, it was a Saturday morning cartoon for me. Every Saturday morning, we excitedly got up. I excitedly got up and I watched The Mandalorian with with my daughter and my, my fiance. And we sat um, and watched every episode. Now, she's just she's just made a very integral point here. She's talking about taking out the client. Um, Kara was talking about eliminating um, Vena Herzog's character and the rest will run like rats, she says. Which I'm interpreting as if I take out, you know, the rest of the stormtroopers will scatter. They might just drop their armor. They'll stop being stormtroopers. They need it. They need a leader. And it's very reminiscent of post-World War II Nazis and the way that the Nazis kind of scattered and they still kept kind of going a little bit around the world and they just went into hiding and they 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 followed their generals and their commanders and and so on and so forth shout outs to um grief cargo again <laughs> um but uh this is a very mexican standoff i love the helmets I like that she he knows she's a shock trooper because she's got this tattoo around her arm. It's these marks that just don't 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 look like um it's very Star Wars, it's just lines. It's just thick boxy lines, rectangles that go bang 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 around her all the way around her bicep. I'll show you the people on live here. All the way around her bicep there. If you look up a photo of Cara Dune, he said, uh, cover your tattoo. That's to prove she's a shock trooper, but everyone's forgetting that she's got a rebel symbol on her eye. <laughs> Like, I know she's a shock trooper. Like, she's a rebel shock trooper. But she's got a rebel's symbol on her eye. And we're all forgetting. And how is she supposed to cover that up? She doesn't have a helmet. It's the first time that Grief Cargo is meeting the child as well. What a precious little creature. See, Grief Cargo does have a heart. He's just a businessman. And... He's one that we spoke about this last week. He's in this. The character is kind of a remnant of the darkness of the Empire. That the, the the shadow that the Empire. That pod's so cool. I wish I had one for my son. He would just follow me around everywhere. I just pop him in a pod and just just floats around next to me wherever I go. I can take him to the shops and put him in the pod. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Um, it'd be great for if you had kids. I'd kill if someone ever made one of those. I would invest like all of my life savings into it. I think it would be a wonderful business and product. Um, so what was I saying about uh, Grief Cargo? Yeah, Grief Cargo is just one of these remnants. So we were talking about this last week. Um, he's just one of these remnants of the shadow of the empire. Yes, and the pun is intended for those of you who know what I'm talking about there, who know of the shadow of the empire. Um, Deep Cuts fans. Not real fans. We're all real fans. Deep Cuts fans. Um, 90s fans. Um yeah, he's a remnant of the shadow of the empire 
in which he basically is a businessman who's just doing what he can to get a buck and all he knows, he doesn't know any better. He's, he's made money by doing the wrong thing, by committing crime. And he's, but he's, he's got a heart, like he's got, there's love to him, there's, there's care to him, there's empathy to him. But he's, he's detached, he's intentionally detached because of his job. He's a professional. And here is the planning. His reinforcements are all ex-Empire. Paycheck, poof. All scatter. Yeah, see, there you go. So, that's what Kara is saying. Once they lose their paycheck, their empire, their imperial, their stormtroopers, but we forget, stormtroopers were employees as well, ladies and gentlemen. That's what Kevin Smith talks about in um, Clerks, how when Return of the Jedi was blown up, there was more than just stormtroopers and imps on there. There was there was construction workers and stuff. But the stormtroopers, are, they're, they're lower level grunts. Like, they're... they're just work for hire, essentially. They're just contractors. That's all they are. They, well, never say nothing can go wrong in Star Wars. Never. And there's that pterodactylalilion, pterodactylalon. Yep, good idea. Cover the child in the titanium cage while the pterodactyls attack you. This is cool. This might be the first time we've seen live action like um, giant Minoc type things. Like we did see the Minocs in Empire. These things like big enough to take a blurg um, and one of them just did I love her gun it's very uh, very uh, Commander Wolf-esque just, just a big uh, not Tommy gun oh they keep taking all the blurgs man they're just hungry just big hungry Minox that's all they are I don't actually know what they are. I wonder what the trivia says. Flame Troopers have appeared in Star Wars Battlefront as well as the Clone Wars TV series. The Clone. That's later on. Uh, Din's conversation with the armorer suggests that she and the rest of the faction residing on Navarro house from one of the more war-oriented... Oh, is this this episode? It is. Oh, no, it's not. That's Chapter 8. No wonder I'm so confused. <laughs> I'm giving out information for another episode. We're going to go back. We're going to find episode. Anyway, so here's the moment where Grief Karga becomes um, more or less invested in the saving of Baby Yoda. Okay, here we go. The production needed extra Stormtrooper uniforms for this installment and Dave Filoni decided to ask members of the fan costume group, the 501st, to participate. Ooh, um, according to Filoni, now they can boast that all of their homemade uniforms are also screen-used props. Yes, and I'm certain that the 501st would love that. Um, no disrespect to the community. There is a lot of really wonderful people in the cosplay community, in the 501st community. There has also been a little bit of uh, controversy. I suggest you look into that. Have a watch over. Um, oh, he was really damaged. Here we go. So this, you've also got to remember, ladies and gentlemen, this is the episode that came out right before the Rise of Skywalker did. So the same week Rise of Skywalker came out, this and episode eight came out. So episode eight of The Mandalorian came out the day or the day before the Wednesday before Rise of Skywalker came out and Rise of Skywalker came out on a Thursday. Um, and this episode came out on the Saturday. So there was about five days in between, but we've just healed here. And for whatever reason, um, 
the child was okay to have that. Everyone, the, 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 the collective gatekeepers were okay to have the child do this because he looks like Yoda. But they weren't okay to have a female character have this. But that's their problem, not ours. We're talking about the Mandalorian here. Just wanted to put that there. Um, yeah, I mean, if you if you want to know a little bit more about the 501st and kind of what happened there, um, go and have a, have a watch of the 501st episode and the cosplay community episode on Rex and Around. Um, Michael and, and Greg have a real good chat, chat about that. And they didn't really... Uh, they had a lot more uh, insight because they were part of the community and they they have connections to the community. So um, they know a lot more about it than I do. Uh, but that's definitely worth watching and informing yourself on if you're interested. Uh, the Imperial, Imperial Troop Transporter Vehicle is based on a toy made by Kenner. Uh, first released in the 1978, another version was featured in Star Wars Rebels 2014, which in turn also sported a toy version, but this marks its first live-action appearance, and it's got another toy version. So that's three toy versions of the Stormtrooper Carrier. The Stormtrooper Carrier is based, it was that Kenner toy, and has now been re-released as a vintage Kenner toy with the Black Series by Hasbro. But here is uh, Grief Karga's turn, uh, for better or worse. Um, but for better... He's obsessed with obtaining this asset. You tried to run. This is ridiculous. Mm, Quill's right. We both need the client to be eliminated. They have a mutual dispensing of... Grief Karga wants to take the asset, so to speak, the child to, um, to the client. To uh, then the Erzog. But this is really clever here in that they're kind of coming. It's a it's a bait and switch. It's you know, Mando's the Mando's the bait. He's the prisoner of grief cargo, keeping grief cargo's face. We all know as we get to the end of this episode and the end of the next episode that it doesn't quite work. <laughs> I actually can't remember. I can't recall if this is the episode where they have the big fight. I don't think it is. I think, no, it's not, because this is the episode where uh, Moff Gideon turns up. Anyway. Rogue One's death troopers return as part of Gideon's Imperial Force. Yes, that's true. Elite stormtroopers' death troopers are surgically augmented, um, go through advanced training and wear armor that can baffle sensor systems. While regular stormtroopers can be cannon fodder, these troopers are intended to be versatile and unstoppable. They're essentially special ops. They're the, they're the, the bad batch. So, Quill has just taken the child out of the pod over to Arana. Excuse me. Um, don't let that be a reflection of the, co- the company. I'm just a dad of a newborn. <laughs> Yawning is kind of part of my personality at this point. Um, but Quill is, is es- escaping. They perhaps should have done this a little bit further, a little bit closer to the ship because... They were about a day's ride <laughs> from the ship, easily. Um, they had to stop at night. That's how far away they were from scanners and stuff. Here we go. Here's some bucket troopers. I have a gift for the boss. Chain code. I don't know what a chain code is. What is a chain code? Uh, 
Wouldn't it be cool to have one of those things? I suppose kind of in our 20 credits for the helmet. It's going on well. <laughs> good, uh, good call there. Um, a little bit more. Um, you see, she's got this bright. She's she's covered up the tattoo on her arm, but she's just got this brightly coloured. Um, this rebels tattoo, rebel symbol tattoo on her face. Um, Cara Dune's med pack is a World War II era German gas mask canister. That's pretty cool. That's very George. That's a very George Lucas thing to do. Um, that's good thinking on the prop department's uh, behalf. Gideon's Moff Gideon's ship is known as an Outland Tie Fighter. It appears larger than most single-person Tie Fighters, and its wings fold in a way re- reminiscent of the Imperial Lambada Shuttle. Hmm, it's very true. Fold, they fold down. Do they? Yes, they do. Ooh. Bless me. Excuse me. Um. So yeah, there's that. Why do I keep warping on the screen? Um. What exquisite craftsmanship! Exquisite. How beautiful Beskar can be. Ancestral to artisans. He really has an appreciation for the Mandalorians, doesn't he? Libation is the best. The closing of our shed. I just love the way he speaks. May I may I offer a libation to celebrate our collect the closing of our collective narratives. <laughs> um Grief Karga jokingly calls the child little bogwing. Reference to the flying creatures native to Dagobah and Naboo. There you go. Uh, Kara says she's wanted to be Wanted by the New Republic for the job she's done since she left the Rebellion. So far, the New Republic is the Mandalorian. In the Mandalorian, has been used as an impersonal fist uh, of justice. See the X-Wings bombing the prison transport in the prisoner. Quill refers to Kara as a drop trooper, confirming to more detail that exactly a rebel shock trooper is. So, yeah, maybe they are just an iron fist, which, like, is how, how is that better than the imps? <laughs> Uh, Moff Gideon's uh, TIE Fighter has unique folding wings that aid in landing. This pragmatic wing mechanism is actually a leftover design from concept art by Doug Chang for The Force Awakens. That's pretty cool. Um, Director Deborah Chow also made a cameo appearance in Episode 6 as an X-Wing pilot. Yes, we spoke about that in the last episode. Quill says he suspects the child might be a strand cast, a new term in the Star Wars universe. He says he saw strand cast when he was into indentured to the empire but they were not as uniquely ugly as the child they come from gene farms it sounds like these are similar to to but distinct from clones perhaps people and or creatures programmed from scratch at the at the genetic level rather than a clone of another person wow that could be interesting if they if they're augmenting the stormtroopers or the death troopers rather maybe they are um creating have they brought the child? He, um, apparently it is sleeping. Um, 
we may want to check again. Uh, oh, and he just got shot to death. Blah, 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 blah. Goodbye, Mr. Client. May you rest in pieces. Um, Bogwings have been present within... Here we go. Here's some... How does this protocol droid survive, though? Oh, no, he doesn't. He got shot. Um, Bogwings have been presented, present with Star Wars mythology for years, appearing in deleted scenes from Revenge of the Sith and then seeing a proper outing in the Clone Wars. Culturally speaking, Bogwing has been used as somewhat of an insult in Star Wars lore, just like a scruffy nerf herder. Mando and Quill keep in touch via communicators that might look very similar to Star Wars fans. These comlinks can be seen in A New Hope, for instance, when Luke Skywalker is in, imploring R2-D2 to shut all the garbage on the compactors on the detention level. Comlinks have been a frequent presence throughout the Star Wars universe. Yes, exactly. Uh, the alien Cara Dune fights is an Iridonian Zabrak. Other aliens in this episode include Nikto, Rodians, and Tradotians. Um... Nikto, I think, is the same alien as Nico in Resistance. Um, but here we go. Quill's getting back to the ship. Oh, and they have... Oh, he shouldn't have communicated with... Not, I don't know how he would have noticed it, but he's communicated with them and these troopers have picked up the signal in between somehow. Notice how these bikes, compared to the Return of the Jedi as well, they're actually white. These are... Uh, these scout bikes are actually white. They're not, not that that uh, sandy color, the brownie sandy color, the poopy dippy color that are, they are in *Return uh, of the Jedi*. Here's Moff Gideon's ship, uh, which is starting to signify that we're getting towards the end of this episode. But um, there's that bar. So I did, I do notice now, he has, and it's got landing struts too. So it's it is significantly larger than a Tie Fighter. I just thought that a TIE fighter would be that large in comparison to a stormtrooper, but perhaps not. Um, where did they say back up here? They said Gideon's ship is an outland TIE fighter. That's what it was. Um, scout troopers are stationed by the entrance of the Bounty Hunters Guild along with their familiar speeder bike. So that entire that entire town is the Bounty Hunters Guild. Uh, along with their familiar speeder bikes, they are best known for the appearance on Endor in Return of the Jedi, as we were just speaking about. Carl Weathers refers to a living creature as an asset. He does the same thing in the sci-fi horror action classic Predator. That's a cool callback. Uh, first appearance in the series of Giancarlo Esposito playing Moff Gideon, also known as uh, uh, the guy who owns Los Polos in Breaking Bad. Um... Giancarlo Esposito worked with creator John Favreau on the remake of the Jungle Book. See, I didn't know that. He must have been one of the one of the one of the Jungle Books. <laughs> I mean, one of the Jungle Creatures. Uh, the episode won. This episode won an Emmy Award for Outstanding Cinematography for a Single Camera Series, Half Hour. Wow, that's cool. The name Nora is spelled with it with an H. Different from the only other mention of a planet with uh, a similar system in the history of Star Wars. The coolest we've gotten is... Uh, the closest we've gotten is Nora, a planet from Jedi Quest, the false piece. Didn't know what... Just never heard of Jedi Quest. That's cool. I'm going to have a look into that. Where it was used as an aside... Oh, no. Here's the quill. Um, as an aside mentioned, this planet Nora appears in the Del Rey published Star Wars, The Essential Atlas from... Um, 2009. There's also the name Nora Wexley from the Star Wars books Aftermath. Uh, Wexley, that's um, she's she's 
related to um, Dax, Dax Wexley, I think it is, or Jack, Jack Wexley. Um, I can never remember. And there it is, ladies and gentlemen. That's the end of the episode. How cool is this um, content art? It's starting to move now. They got it kind of moving a little bit, giving a bit of smoke to it and a bit of a little bit of motion. Maybe they did in the last ones and I just didn't notice. <laughs> um, Cara Dune looks a lot like uh, Ray. It looks like they've used Ray there. Uh, Daisy Ridley in that one particular piece of content art. So, uh, Life After Math, Dexter is a very interesting character. Re- re- retcon to a high degree in the Star Wars universe. She's a significant character in the Battle of Endor, uh, shown in Star Wars Return of the Jedi now too. But, but her potential ties to the mention of the net word Nora in The Mandalorian are very unlikely. Strand cast likely refers to DNA, DNA strand, uh, meaning we've got a big reminder that this is a universe in which genetic engineering is definitely a reality and not just for the purpose of creating a clone army. Yeah, so it looks like we're going to really get into that uh, genetic engineering. There's those three thugs. They look like that one guy, the Nicatorian or whatever it's called, looks like he's got um, Mandalorian armor on, on his chest there. And then we got Quill being chased by the speeder bikes. Here's to Quill, man. Let's take a moment for Quill. Um... But that's it for this episode, ladies and gentlemen. We're on our way out. We've we've finished the trivia. We started off with next episode trivia, and we have one episode left, guys, guys and gals. That's it. We're we're we're, we're at the end of our tether. Um, we're at the end of our rope. But it's been wonderful. It's been a lovely journey. Uh, we have achieved quite a bit here uh, watching the Mandalorian, and I appreciate that. Thank you for if you've made it this far. Thank you for watching and listening. Um, I appreciate you taking the time and um, the privilege of of your time. Because I know we all have time uh, that we choose to spend wherever we may choose to spend it. Uh, but this has been Qui-Gon's Happy Hour, ladies and gentlemen. I've been your host, Jordan. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget, you are you are beautiful. And may the Force be with you. Thank you.